listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, please turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. So Isaiah chapter 40, I want to read the first 11 verses of this 40th chapter of the prophecy of Isaiah. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, and that her iniquity is pardoned. For she have received off the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And the voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the God goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower feedeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass, the grass withereth, the flower feedeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion that bringeth good tidings, Get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings. Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. Amen. May God encourage us in his word afresh tonight. For 39 chapters, Isaiah has been presenting God's words of condemnation to the people of God and the nations. Oh yes, there has been those times where those words of judgment have been interspersed with words of hope and comfort. There's been the prediction of a coming Messiah, chapter 7, chapter 9, and there are other times when we get a sense of God's mercy in the midst of judgment. The hope, though, for the remnant comes to the fore here in chapter 40, opening up the sections that present the work of God through his chosen servant, the servant of Jehovah, the true Israel, the true Prince of God. Chapter 40 is undoubtedly a messianic prophecy. If you're familiar with Handel's Messiah, you will read those words and find it hard not to sing along. Uh, so close are the alignment of the words to the song or the tunes that Handel composed all those years ago. The messianic censor, of course, is not proven by Handel. It is proven by the fact that verse number 3 is quoted in Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, regarding John the Baptist, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. And of course, we know John the Baptist comes as the one who's preparing the way of the Lord. Verse number three. Hence, the coming one mentioned there in verse number 10, behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, is itself a messianic reference. 
Christ is, in the language of verse number 5, the glory of the Lord that shall be revealed. You think of John chapter 1, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is a rich messianic portion of Scripture that's speaking to us regarding the coming of Christ into the world. Here we see a prophecy regarding the incarnation. Here we see the language of Isaiah chapter 7. A virgin shall be with child. Here we see the language of Emmanuel, Isaiah chapter 9, coming in the richness of the prediction of the Messiah, bringing comfort to his people. And so devotionally, I want to just, I want to leave with you really four thoughts that really should encourage our souls as we contemplate the incarnation of our Lord, the coming of the Christ of God. First of all, the thought of Christ's incarnation ought to bring consolation to our souls. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. These are words of comfort given to a people who are staring down the barrel of God's judgment. Judgment is coming. Already they're living in the context of sin all around them. The time, the climate is of wickedness in the midst of religion. Oh, the sacrifices continue, but they are of nothing to the Lord. He does not desire these. He wants a broken heart from the people of God. And so those who do trust in the Lord, they're living in the midst of sin, living in the agony. Indeed, there's a sense in which the people themselves are very conscious of their own sin. Judgment is about to come. And yet here in the language of Isaiah chapter 40, we have the promise, the Lord is merciful. The Lord is ready to forgive. Her iniquity is pardoned. Verse number 2. There is the promise that the sins of the people shall indeed be forgiven because God is willing to pardon their sins. So in the language of verse number 2 is interesting regarding the payment of a price. Some would suggest it points forward to Christ paying the price of the sins of his people. Indeed, it may well be the case that verse number 2 is looking to the cross. Even the language of the coming of the Messiah. Consolation and comfort. If you turn to Luke chapter 2, please. Luke chapter 2. And you will see that what is revealed for us there in Isaiah chapter 40 is indeed that which captivates the heart of Simeon. Simeon's waiting in the temple. And it says there, Luke chapter 2, verse 22, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. The word consolation that is used there is a Greek word that you may be familiar with. At least it's derived from a Greek word. It's derived from the verb parakalio, that of calling alongside, encouraging, comforting. The same word as the comforter in John's Gospel. Well, that root word in the Greek translation of the Old Testament is the word for comfort in Isaiah chapter 40. And so a people who are waiting for the consolation of Israel are those who are waiting for Isaiah 40 to be fulfilled. There's a promise of consolation. And Simeon is one who's waiting for the consolation of Israel. He's waiting for that comfort to come to pass. And so the very fact that Simeon's expectation is fulfilled in the coming of Jesus indicates for us again that the coming of Jesus fulfills Isaiah chapter 40. 
is fulfilled in the coming of the Messiah. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. That comfort is, of course, the consolation that comes from the forgiveness of sins. You go back to Luke chapter 1. You look chapter 1 and you hear some of the language of Zacharias, uh, the father of John the Baptist. And as he speaks of his son, it says there in the verse number 76, And thy child shall be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Matthew 3 verse 3. John the Baptist fulfills Isaiah chapter 40. And so what is the Lord going to do? Well, verse 77 of Luke 1, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. John the Baptist is one who's preparing the way for the people to receive the tender mercy of God. Consolation and comfort I want to read to you a little section from this book of Puritan prayers. I've read it before in different times in the church here, the Valley of Vision. Uh, there's a compilation of various Puritan and, and, and modern Puritan uh, authors in terms of their uh, prayers brought together in this form. Well, in the prayer entitled The Gift of Gifts, it says this, O God, take me in spirit to the watchful shepherds and enlarge my mind. Let me hear good tidings of great joy and hearing believe. Rejoice, praise, adore. My conscience bathed in an ocean of repose. My eyes uplifted to a reconciled father. Place me with ox, ass, camel, goat to look with them upon my Redeemer's face. And in my account, and in him account myself delivered from sin. Let me, listen to this, let me with Simeon. Clasp the newborn child to my heart. Embrace him with undying faith. Exalting that he is mine and I am his. In him thou hast given me so much that heaven can give no more. That sense of the comfort that comes from one who's come to receive Christ and the consolation of sins. Comfort ye, comfort ye. The bottom line is that in the consideration of the coming of Christ, it ought to bring peace and comfort to our souls. We're very mindful of our sin. We live surrounded by sin, bombarded by sin on every corner. And yet we see in the Bible a God who is willing, he's willing to forgive sin, a God who is kind and merciful. We're praying for families, we're praying for a nation to a God. He is willing to show mercy and has proven that in the coming of Christ to bring comfort to his people. So a consideration of the incarnation of the Lord brings consolation to your souls Secondly, it brings confirmation for our faith. The Messiah came as promised. Isaiah here encourages his hearers, verse number five, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. I remember singing that part of Messiah as an 18-year-old in my school choir. I remember the distinction of each word for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And the emphasis that there is in that sense of triumph, the certainty that the promised Messiah would indeed come as God had said it would be. And so you have the following words regarding the frailty of man 
But as it finishes in verse number 8, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The absolute certainty that what Isaiah is predicting will indeed certainly come to pass. And hundreds of years later comes John the Baptist fulfilling verse number 3. Hundreds of years later comes the Lamb of God as a servant of Jehovah. God's word has indeed certainly come to pass. You read Matthew 1 and 2. Note the repetition of the word fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. Every promise, every prediction, sure. Oh, we can believe the word of God. His promises are sure. This passage ought to confirm our faith. Can you trust someone? You may ask that question. It might be in work. It may be in some other situation, some other context. And is somebody reliable, dependable, trustworthy? Well, you may say, well, what's their track record there? They've proven themselves to be unreliable, untrustworthy so many times. How can I trust them now? Well, God's track record is one of absolute fulfillment of every promise. God's word is sure. He has never, ever failed to keep a promise. And so as we wait, we consider the first coming and we have confidence of Christ's work continuing as promised until his return. Not only is his return certain, but every promise until then is also certain. Every promise is sure. Every single elect soul will indeed be gathered in. Not one will be lost because that would be God not keeping his word. You can pray with confidence. The incarnation is again a motivation to stir your soul to really pray believing that God will do as he said. The confidence, the confirmation for our faith. Praying over the matter of Christ's incarnation. Well, in the third place, it also brings confidence in our witness. In light of the above, you get the verse number 9. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your gods. There's a connecting thought here. Voices in Isaiah chapter 40. You'll see several times the voices are mentioned there. There is the voice of uh, the, the, the prophet John the Baptist. There is the voice of God, the word of God, the voice that cries. Well, when you get to verse number nine, you have the, the third of these voices, the voice of the people. In light of the certainty of God's consolation in the coming of the Lord that will be revealed, in light of that certainty, the people are encouraged, be not afraid. It is the truth that empowers our witness. It is knowing the truth of God that gives us this confidence in our witness. In the incarnation of Christ, as promised, we see without question evidence of God, his existence and his work in the world. Hence, we can say with confidence, behold your God. Verse number 9 was a text that I chose for one of my very first sermons. I was in a Bible study in Grand Valley University in Michigan in 1994. I remember the headings even to this day. They were so profound. You know, a very young person, but I was asked to bring a word to encourage people in evangelism. And the three headings I had for this text was that our witness should be visible, audible, and knowledgeable. I thought they were good. The sense of visibility. 
We're not to hide. We're to get up on a high mountain. Behold your God. We were to be visible before humanity that they would understand that we have good news. It's like wisdom standing in the street, crying in the street. Follow me, you simple. Be wise. Visible witness. A church that hides in fear from the world is a church that does not have confidence that they have truth. Or lack of boldness is a clear indication that we don't really have the confidence that God has indeed worked in this world. The incarnation is a sovereign, divine miracle. We ought not to be ashamed of it or embarrassed of it. Rather, it ought to be upon our lips, teaching the fact that a virgin shall be with child and Emmanuel will come to this world. And in light of that certainty, we get up in the mountain and we say, Behold your God, Emmanuel, God with us. Audible, lift up your voice with strength. Your life will bring testimony. But God's truth comes through words. Visible, audible, knowledgeable. Behold your God. Inquires the knowledge of the gospel, the knowledge of the nature of God. And we present that with confidence because we see God at work in the world. So the incarnation, it has these tremendous effects in our soul. Consolation, confirmation of our faith and confidence in our witness. And finally it brings Content for our prayers. Christ did come. We have the predictions there in verse number 10 and 11. They're in the future tense. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Well, we're looking back on this and Christ did come. Exactly as predicted. And indeed we know in the word of God that he continues to perform these functions Until he comes again. His purposes are sure. Verses 10 and 11. I believe would. Give form to the words of your prayers. Tonight and more regularly. As you prayed over these words. Certainly these words would give. It would give help as you would put substance upon your heart's desires. How do you pray? Well you you pray in light of who God is. And how he's revealed himself in the word. Christ comes as a strong, sovereign shepherd. His strength is mentioned. His sovereignty is mentioned. He shall rule. And he comes as our shepherd. He is strong. Strong to save. Christ is mighty to save. None can thwart the work of Christ. The Lord God will come with a strong hand. There is no stronger than Christ. In his hand we're safe. But as he would go and conquer the lost, so with a strong hand he changes their hearts and brings them unto himself. He's strong. He's successful. His reward is with him. Before the battle he has his reward. So certain is the conquest. I think of later on, Isaiah 53, he shall see the travel of his soul and shall be satisfied. Here's a successful, strong, sovereign, conquering saviour who as a shepherd comes and seeks. He shall gather the lambs with his arm. 
Jehovah is revealed in the Old Testament as the God who seeks out the sheep that are lost. We see it in the incarnation of Christ. He is the good shepherd. He seeks the lost. He saves them. Having found us, he carries us in his bosom. He brings all the way home those who are weak and needy without strength. He carries us all the way back to his father. He supplies our needs. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Here is, here is our Messiah in, in seen in such condensed forms that our minds just they, they keep running to this direction and that direction when we consider our God in the person of Christ Jesus. Oh, how you can pray over these things. You can pray over these things in light of global mission. When you think about the needs of our missionary works in Nepal, Australia, Mexico, wherever it might be, you will see one who will come with strong hands. That as the word of God is preached in Mexico or in Spain or wherever, Christ is there with a strong hand. Not a weak, impotent saviour, but a mighty strong saviour. This is our God. You pray over that for local witness, for the radio, for the internet ministry. He shall gather the lamb with his arm. Lord, with your word, come and bring in the sheep that are lost. Draw them to yourself. Personal witness. Unsafe members of our families. Perhaps praying for those who are struggling in our church, the weak. Those who are cold in heart. Those who are falling away. We can put individuals into this prayer. And we can apply the very character of God, the character of Christ, as we pray over these things for their good and for Christ's glory. In essence, you can take these verses in your prayers and say, Lord, you have said this is what you will do, therefore do it, Lord. That's what prayer is. Do as you have said. Fulfill the word as you have given it to us in the word of God. I love, I, I love to consider the incarnation of Christ. It is a glorious truth that God loved this world and in the coming of Christ, he says, comfort ye, comfort ye my people. And I think it is a truth that will help us to pray, not only tonight, but to pray in the days to come that we would know the Lord's mercy and work in our church, in our area, for the glory of his name.